that we get as human beings. And I'm going to be talking on the topic of the destruction of rejection. Destruction of rejection. We've been talking about Jericho must fall and how the walls of Jericho were the walls that prevented the Israelites from going into their promised land. They had been conquering. They had come out of the wilderness and they were conquering town after town, community after community. And the word of their successes had reached the ears of those in Jericho and they shut the door. And the Bible says when they shut the door and the, the, the walls were up, nothing went in and nothing came out. And we saw how God instructed Joshua and the Israelites and how they went ahead following, following God's instructions. They were able to destroy the walls of Jericho without physical fight. And so last week we talked about the destruction of fear. And so today I want us to talk about the destruction of rejection. 3 John chapter 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 in the message translation. It says, May God himself the God who makes everything holy and whole. Make you holy and whole, put together. That's very, that word right there is very important. It's God himself who is going to do it. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be holy. And he said he himself will put you together in your spirit man, in your soul, and in your body. Why? To keep you fit. For the coming of our master Jesus Christ. So God doesn't just want us to focus only on our spirit. And ignore our body and our souls. He doesn't want you to just focus on your soul. And ignore the spirit and your body. And he doesn't want you to just focus on your body. And ignore your soul and your spirit. And I said for us human beings. Especially believers. When you get saved. Your spirit man gets saved. The problem we have is in our soulish realm. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's where we are all tripped up all the time. And I believe God wanted us to stay in some of these topics. The things that are really causing us believers a lot of trouble. And this one right here is a big one. Rejection. And why is rejection so terrible? It's because every human being, we were made to love and be loved. Every one of us. That's the yearning. That's what God is love. And he made us out of that love. And so we have that in us. To want to be loved. And we want to love in return. And so when we are rejected, it destroys that and it puts a wound in our soul. That is so difficult to overcome. And so today, we want us to talk about that. We're going to look at what rejection, where rejection comes from. We're going to look at what rejection does to us. And then we're going to thank God there is always solution in the scriptures. And we're going to now look at how to overcome rejection. 
The bad thing, the horrible thing about rejection is that it changes who you are. It wounds your soul. It gives you a scar and a wound in your soul like no other wound can be. And then it changes who you are. It changes how you think. It changes how you see yourself. It changes how you relate to people. And it makes you not ever believe that you're good enough. It makes you always believe that something is defective in you. And so let's define rejection real quick. What is rejection? According to the Oxford Dictionary, it says rejection is when something or someone is dismissed as inadequate or unacceptable. So rejection also means you are abandoned, you are forsaken, because you are not wanted or needed. It can also be when you are refused an expected privilege or opportunity. For example, you, you, you apply for a job. You qualify for this job. You were supposed to, you know, everybody knows you are the one who's supposed to get this job. But they gave it to somebody who they prefer. And you start wondering, what is wrong with me? Now, the good thing is, we always have Bible stories that tell us about people that experience what we are going through. And so we'll see in the Bible, I want to quickly go over three people that suffered rejection. And they are, if I mention the names, you were just like in your head, oh yeah. Number one was Jesus. Jesus was the most rejected man in the history of mankind. He was rejected from birth to death. In fact, when Joseph, his earthly father was told, when Mary told him that she was pregnant, we read the Bible now and we know, you know, what's going to happen. But he didn't want to accept her. He didn't want this baby. He didn't know what happened. If not for the angel that came to him in a dream, he would have rejected Jesus. Jesus was rejected by his own family. Jesus was rejected. The Bible says in John 1, Verse 11, he says he came to his own people and they rejected him. Isaiah 53 verse 3, he says he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. That's Jesus. He was rejected by Herod. He was rejected by his family members. The community rejected him. People that claimed to love him, they spread the thing on. Holy, holy, Hosanna, Hosanna. The very next day, they rejected him. And God himself rejected him. And the good thing is the rejection that God rejected him was to turn around to make sure we are never rejected. Because when he was carrying the sins of all of us on him, God had to reject him. And so the rejection of God for Jesus was for our own benefit. So that you can never be rejected. God will never reject you. And we're going to come to that for us to understand that. That no matter how people reject you, no matter what people do to you, God will never, never reject you because he rejected Jesus on the cross. Amen? 
The other person we'll talk about briefly is David. You all know the story. When they came, when Samuel came to anoint the king in, in Jesse's household, he brought all his sons that he thought were good enough to be king. Nobody thought about David. David was, was not mentioned until Samuel said, Is this, are these all the sons you have? We went from there. He sent, they sent him, his parents sent him to, to his brothers to take food to them. They rejected him again. After he killed Goliath, Saul rejected him, trying to figure a way out to kill him. Just one rejection after the other that David suffered. Look at what he says in Psalm 27 verse 10. He says, Though my father and my mother forsake me, which is reject me, the Lord will receive me. And in Psalm 31, which is, this, I read this, I was like, wow, this man really went through a lot. Psalm 31, verses 11 to 12, he says, I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead. Can you imagine that? And is that not what some people suffer? He says, I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were broken part. That's what some people actually experience. Where a child is brought into the world because that child is not wanted, that child is abandoned by parents or, or loved ones, and that child feels like a broken pot, goes throughout the whole life, no matter what happens always feel they are not good enough, that they are broken, something is wrong. That's why they were not accepted. Also, Leah. You all know the story of Leah. The Bible says she had a weak eye. She had a beautiful younger sister who Jacob wanted. Nobody wanted her. She was the weak-eyed, ugly sister. And even the father rejected her. Can you imagine being called and told, you know what, he loves, he loves your sister. But I'm going to make you go in and be the one he, he, he spends the night with. Because if I don't do that, you will never get a man to marry you. Do you know how that must have felt? And then she married him. And she knew that he was willing to work another seven years for the beautiful sister. Do you know how scorned and rejected she was? And you can say by the name she gave her children. Reuben, she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. He still did not love her. She gave birth to Simeon. She said, because the Lord has heard that I'm unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. He still didn't love her. He still rejected her. Then she gave birth to Levi. She says, now, this time, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him all sons. No. Finally, she gave birth to Judah. That's when she said, I will praise God. I will praise him. I will stop looking to be accepted when nobody wants me. And guess what? Judah was the line from which Jesus came. Judah was among the twelve. Although she was rejected, she bore six of the twelve sons of Israel. The twelve tribes of Israel. Leah that was rejected is the one that had six of those sons. So when you are rejected by people, when you are rejected for any reason, 
God can still use you. And we're going to come to that. God is attracted to the rejected. Amen? Amen? How does rejection come in? You know, because of my line of work, I deal with a lot of people that suffer from this. And you will see someone that's grown, successful, but the scar and the wound from rejection in childhood just hounds them all their life. A child rejected. A child is, is born. Nobody wants them. It was, it was a pregnancy. Nobody wanted. Inconvenience. And so that child is born. Nobody wants to be around them. Nobody's loving them. Nobody's pouring into their life. And they grow up feeling like, what is wrong with me? They never feel accepted. They never feel loved. And you see them acting out out of that. And then you see adults too. Oh, you were not picked. Maybe for some reason nobody picked you. For that job, for that position, nobody picked you. You are made fun of because of your features or how you look, how big or how small you are. People pick on you. That's another way we get rejected. And so when rejection comes in, it causes a lot of relationship problems. And that's what sometimes we see even in the church. People come in because they have suffered rejection. They project that. They come in with scripts running in their head already. Of the, they have a tale. They already have something, a conversation going on in their head. All the time. Because of what has happened to them before. So what does rejection, how does it affect you? The first thing it does is rejection attacks your identity. Who you are in Christ. Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. That's what God says we are. That's the identity we should have, that I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. And I know that, my soul knows that. I am marvelous in the eyes of God. But when you live with rejection, you don't see that. You don't see that. You don't see your identity in Christ. You see yourself as broken. You see yourself as something is wrong with me. And you begin to tie who you are to external things. Not to who you are on the inside. And we've seen that a lot. Some of us even go through that. Where everything you try to now do is to meet the requirements of people for you to be accepted. You begin to do things that are out of character. Just because you want to be accepted. Just because you don't want to be rejected anymore. You don't see yourself as loved. You don't see yourself as complete. In Him, you don't see yourself as whole. Like God said in that scripture that he wants us whole and holy, knit together. So your soul is not fragmented, your spirit is not fragmented, and your body is not fragmented. And rejection fragments your soul. It destroys and it puts a wound in your soul. The other thing it does is it makes you vulnerable to people manipulating you. Because when you are rejected, what you try to do is to make everybody like you. And so you see young kids, because they want to feed in, oh, this is the drug, I want you to try it. They would normally do, not do that. 
But because they want to be accepted and be fit in, they are manipulated into doing what they don't want to do. You see, young girls, they don't want to sleep around. They don't want to do all of that, but they want to be in the in crowd. And so because of that, they start to do things outside of their character. They are being manipulated because of rejection. Now, one thing to married couples I want to say this morning, in undermining relationships, another thing that rejection does. You see this in marriages a lot. And for couples here, please hear me. If your spouse is not able to tell you how they feel, what they want, and what they are thinking, you really need to have a sit down together and talk. Because what's possibly happening is that spouse has been rejected and been told they are not good enough in something, or they don't contribute something, or they are defective somehow, and so they never let you know what they are thinking. And they just expect you to read their mind, to tell them what they are thinking, because they are afraid to let you know. So if you have a spouse who can never tell you what they need from you, who can never give you their opinion about anything in the home, and who can never tell you exactly what they are thinking, you really, a husband and wife, you all need to sit down and find out what is going on, how is rejection going on in this marriage. Because it happens a lot in marriages. Where one partner is always the one that's not good enough in doing this. When you hear that word always or never in your conversations, that's the key right there. You are always or you never that means that person has been rejected in that one thing or in those things where there's that always or never in the marriage. So rejection undermines relationships, especially marriage relationships. I mean, other relationships, finally, some people, you, you, like a message like this coming today, if you're experiencing rejection in any way, you're going to go back, after you, we, we talk about the ways to overcome it, you're going to go back and think and say, you know what, no, I'm not going to let that person run me over. I'm, 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 I am somebody. I'm not going to let somebody tell me, and then you walk away. But you can't do that in a marriage. And so married couples, please, when you get home, if any of those things I have said, if there's a conversation of you always or you never, or if your wife or your husband is never able to really tell you what they are thinking, and they are trying to use cues all the time for you to read them, you need to have a conversation. And say, okay, what is going on here? How have I made you feel rejected in this marriage? Amen? Amen. Married couples, Amen. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. Always have that in mind. And please, 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 never be the one who devalues people. Please. Never be the one, no matter who you are, no matter the level of whatever socioeconomic status you think you have, no matter who you are, never be the one to devalue what God has made, who God has made. 
Because anybody God made is perfect and is made in the image and likeness of God. And you young people here, if you're young, you're in school, no matter what they say about you, your features, your height, your looks, your background, your ethnicity, God knew what he was making when he made you the way he made you. Don't give anyone, don't give anyone that right to make you feel less than who you are in Christ. Rejection also, you can tell I'm passionate about this, right? Because I've seen the damage this can do. It also hinders receiving from God. And how it does that is because you feel like you are not good enough. You also feel like you're not good enough for God. And so you cannot really ask God for anything because I've not been a good girl. I've not been a good boy. I've not been a good man. I've not been a good woman. And so people around you are reaching out in faith and grabbing what they want from the Lord. But you, you can't even go and ask because in your mind you're not good enough. And so you never receive from God or it hinders you terribly from receiving from God. That's what rejection also does. And rejection also makes you just feel like God is always angry at you. People that have this rejection, root of rejection, they are always conscious of sin. Any little thing they think they've sinned against God. So they never feel free to go to God and ask for anything from Him. Amen? And then the big one is that it gives you perceived rejections. I have seen that all the time in church. Perceived rejections in the mind. Where the person who has lived the rejection now goes around looking for people to reject them even when nobody is rejecting them. Because they have that running script in their mind. And so they come into a, a place like this, for example. They're already running in their mind, I'm going to be rejected. And so they say hello to Sister Michaela here. And that one says hi. Oh, she didn't say a big hi enough. She doesn't like me. Or they go to Brother Michael. And Brother Michael is thinking of going to, to somebody else to greet Jason. And maybe didn't even see them coming. Oh, he doesn't want anything to do with me. And they have in their mind conversation that Brother Michael is having that he doesn't even know. And so because of that, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because you are, keep accusing people who are not rejecting you, who are not even thinking of that. Let me give you an example. I, <clears throat> at my place of work, there's this lady, she brings some of these group home people to my office. And when I'm in, at my office, we're pretty, pretty, pretty busy. And so you're just going, running, and you know, one room after the other, whatever. I never even really noticed, really, really noticed her. And then she told my staff, oh, Dr. Angela just hates me. And I said, no, Dr. Angela hates you. Did she ever talk to you? She says, no. And my staff came to me and said, this lady says that she's been coming here for years, that you just hate her, you don't talk to her. I'm like, who is she? You know? She had made up her mind, and I went to her, and she was shocked because in her mind, when, I'm, when you're busy, sometimes you're not even thinking. You're just doing your thing in her mind because of what she's lived with. And so that kind of a person sees you, she's mad at you, angry, and you don't even know at all, never even thought about that. 
And so that's what some people that live with rejection, they do that. They project that onto people. And because people might be around you and they feel that, and they start backing away from you. And then you're like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they really don't like me. They're rejecting me. But you see self-fulfilling prophecy. You've just caused it to happen because of the way you were behaving. Amen? So that's one thing. So often when you live with this kind of thing, it just makes you never to have friends or have people around you. Now, in the short term I have, let's talk about, this is where I want to stay, destroying the wall of rejection. We've talked about some of these things, but let's see what scripture says about how to destroy this wall. And I'm praying that if you're living with rejection, some man or some woman thought you were not good enough. Or some employers thought you were not good enough. Or something happened to you in your childhood that just destroyed you. Hopefully what I'm going to talk about, these three or four points, you will take them to heart and apply them. Because if that wall of rejection, like the wall of Jericho, if it doesn't come down, you're going to be a prisoner all your life to that wound that was inflicted on your soul. Amen? So the first thing is establish your acceptance in God. Establish your acceptance in God. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 to 6. It says, just as he chose us in him, you were chosen by God. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was pleasure for God to adopt you. It was pleasurable for God to call you his own. It was pleasurable for God to choose you as his own. And then verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted. He has made us accepted in the beloved. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation. God picked you by himself. He chose you. And he says you are a royal priesthood. You are royal. You have royalty. He says a holy nation. His own special people. God sees you as special to him. You are special. You are chosen. You are royal. And he says... That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the opinion of man is inconsequential. The opinion of man doesn't really matter. Because God accepts you. He says you are accepted in the beloved. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy in the eyes of God. So a man that doesn't accept you doesn't really matter. Because the one who matters accepts you. Amen? The one who matters takes pleasure in choosing you. And choosing you again and again and again. Hallelujah. So let that, when you have that in you, lay down then that drive of wanting to please other people. Lay down because the one who matters is already pleased with you. Lay down that striving to be accepted in that group. In that group of young students or whatever, lay that down because you already accepted in the Lord. Amen. 
God accepts you. You are beloved of Him. It'd be okay with some people not liking you. They don't understand who you are, so brush it off. Look in the mirror and say, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I know that. My soul knows that. Build yourself. Find scriptures. When those thoughts, the Bible says, casting down every thought. Every imagination, you cast it down. Do you know how you cast those thoughts down? When that thought comes in that says you are broken. You are a broken person. That's why your husband divorced you. You don't, you're not good enough. That's why he left you for another woman. Go in front of that mirror and say, no, 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 no. You look who I am. I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I am a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen generation. That's how you cast those thoughts down. You cast it down with scriptures. Amen? The second thing is, you have to establish the goodness of God. That is so important. Because when you are rejected, you start to think God is not good. God is good to everybody. God answers everybody because I'm broken. I'm not good enough. I'm defective. God is not good to me. And the way you establish God, the goodness of God, let's see what it says in Psalm 119 verse 68. It says you are good. Talking about God, it says you are good and you do good. Period. Let's just stop there. God is good and all he does is good. Mark chapter 10 verse 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? He says, no one is good but one and that is God. God is good. God is good. And in Psalm 145 verse 9, he says, the Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. He's not partial. He doesn't take you out of that. All, all means all. The Lord is good to all of us. Establish that. So when those thoughts come, you're not good enough. God won't be good to you because you're not good. Uh -uh -uh. The Lord is good to all. Then the thing is, it's just to say God is good. Just tell yourself God is good. No question mark. God is good. People may not be good, but God is good. My circumstances may not be good, but God is good. People may be evil, but God is not evil. God is good. People might have dark sides to them. The world might be going crazy, but God is good. God is good. And then when you've established that, now God is good to me. He's not just abstract there. Me. He's good to me. God is good to me. And you establish that he's good to you by tracing his finger on every part of your life in the past where he has shown himself good to you. Because if you can trace the finger of God when in the past that you thought he wasn't good and at the end of the day that thing worked out together for your good and you look at it and say, yeah, if he did it then, he can do it again. Hallelujah. You begin to trace his finger because then you didn't think he was good to you, but when he came through, now you can oh my goodness, he was really working for me. He wasn't working against me. Then I didn't understand it. I thought he didn't like me. I thought he didn't love me. I thought he wasn't good to me. But now in retrospect, I can go back and I can see he was good to me. And so right now, I can trust too. 
I can trust too, Mama. That right now, it's still good to me. He's still good to me. And so because he's good, I can't rest. I don't have to understand anymore. I can lay that down without having to understand it. I say he's good to me. He's good to me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Number three, you need to understand that God loves to use the rejected. God is attracted to the discarded. When something is thrown away, that's the one he goes looking for. And you know why he does that? Because nobody will take glory for it. Nobody can say, you know what? It's because of me. It's because I accepted you. That's why you became that. So he looks for the, 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 the stone that the builders rejected. And he takes that stone and he says, yeah, this is the one I will use. He takes David, the one nobody wanted, and says, this is the one I'm going to anoint king. He takes Leah that nobody loved, the ugly sister, and says, you're going to bear six sons in the tribe of Israel. And from your loins, from your, from your womb, will come Judah, who will be the lineage of Jesus. God is attracted to the rejected. God is attracted to the rejected. Joseph, the one that was thrown in prison. Ah, you are the one going to the palace. That's the way God works. So even if you were thrown away and you were told you were not good enough, Gracie, you hear me? You hear me? I had you in my heart as I prepared this message. You are the one I was having this in my heart as I was talking, thinking about this. God did not discard you. And a day will come. A day will come. A day will come when you will understand. You hear me? You hear me? Your, 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 your identity is not tied in what happened to you. And Teresa, you too. Leah did something. Leah called Judah praise. And in praise, Jesus was manifested. And you, when Austin's memorial was done here, that's what happened to you. You didn't even know that. God was, Jesus was manifested and praised through your life because of the way you handled yourself. Right here. In this sanctuary. Everybody saw it. So don't ever let rejection. Whoever rejected you. Just make sure you turn it into praise. Turn it into Judah. So Jesus will be manifested. Hallelujah. And then finally. Be thankful for those who love you. Be thankful for those who love you. There are so many more for you. Than are those that are against you. Be so thankful 
for those who have stuck with you. Look at David. He says in Proverbs, let me first read this. Proverbs 17, 17. He says, a friend loves at all times. You have people that have been there with you through thick and through thin. I'm looking at all the faces here that have been there for me. Through the adversity, they stuck with you. Be thankful for those. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Sometimes you're focusing on, the, on all the riffraffs. Meanwhile, you have all these pillars that have been there. Look at what David said in, in let me look at the scripture here. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16, it says, Jonathan's son, uh, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods. Who came to you when you were in the wood? He says, and strengthens his hand in God. Every one of us, we have those Jonathans that came to us when we were in the wood. Who came and strengthened our hands. Focus on those. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Let them know how much you love them. Thank them. Because when you do this, that's how you're going to overcome the rejection. Whether I was in childhood, whether I was in adolescence, whether I was in marriage or in any relationship, that's how you overcome. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So the wall of rejection is going to come down. We're going to pray. I want you all to stand on your feet with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the musicians to come and just play very quietly for me. I wrote these prayers down because I wanted to make sure we prayed this prayer today. So I don't miss anyone. The Lord gave them to me. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 6. He says, nevertheless, I will bring health. That's God speaking to you now. He says, I will bring health and healing to it. To that wound. That scar. He says, I will heal my people. I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Amen. God is bringing healing to our souls today. All the wounded places in our hearts, God is bringing healing to it. If you're here, you've suffered rejection. If you're here, if you're dealing with that or in your past, as we pray this prayer, I just want you to receive. I want you to raise your hands with me today, all of us. Let's raise our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, Oh, in the blood of Jesus, and by the authority in that name, I uproot the root of rejection planted in every soul here today in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare healing over every wound inflicted on the soul of your people from rejection. Lord, I declare freedom from the grieving spirits that have hounded your people, the wounds, the root of rejection. That has been in their life. I declare today that it is broken. It is uprooted. Oh God. And they are free. Father I declare freedom from the spirit. That makes us to focus on our weaknesses. Instead of focusing on our strengths. 
In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the speech and the tongue that declared that we are self-condemned, that accuses us, that criticizes us, and gives us negative self-evaluation. Father, I take authority over those tongues in the name of Jesus. Every negative confession that have been made into your life, because they were, you were not accepted, I cancel those confessions today. Whether it came from your own mouth, that you were not good enough, or whether it came from the mouth of other people, that you were not good enough, I cancel all of them. In the name of Jesus. I declare today that from today you will be clothed. God will clothe you with a sense of acceptance and a sense of self-appreciation. Father, I thank you for your people today. Father, I pray that everything they do this week will carry the mark of your favor and your approval in their lives. Father, I pray that as they go forth this week, you will honor your word in their life, in every area of their life, my God. Father, let your smile and favor bring them overflowing abundance and goodness this week in Jesus' name. I declare that you are blessed. You are blessed and you can never be cursed. I declare that those hands you've raised up will be filled with the blessings of God this week. Everywhere you go, everything you touch will multiply in goodness. You will be fruitful in every area of your life. To God be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have...